0: Hey there, sports fan, welcome to the DraftSite podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts, brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full-round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello everybody and welcome to DraftSite's sixth edition of our podcast, joined today by your host Jared Belton and DJ Boyer and Zach Gutierrez. DJ, Zach, hello. How's it going everybody?
1: All's well here. Now that we're uh, up to six episodes, we can count our episodes on two hands. We're, we're real now. Now we've arrived.
0: So, uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about the Heisman. We're going to talk Fierce 40, the college football playoff, and a little twist on that. So let's get started. DJ, uh, your Heisman watch just came out today. No surprise, your top three match the three people who were invited to to New York this
1: year. Tell us about that. I think there was not a lot of drama with the top three. I think really the only drama here is who's number two and who's number three. I think right now Marcus Mariota has all but punched his ticket as as being the next Heisman winner. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Melvin Gordon after that 400-yard performance, the the record that he had for all of a week. uh was really kind of uh, nipping at the heels of Mariota there, but over the last two weeks, especially this past week, five touchdowns in the Pac-12 championship, while Melvin Gordon had a very pedestrian effort against Ohio State. Well, as a matter of fact, the whole team had a pedestrian effort. I'm mm. not sure if Wisconsin ever left the bus. It was Mariota's. It was his to lose or maybe Gordon's to get with a big game, but but that did not happen and it kind of went in the other direction. So Mariota's coasting here. It's just uh, who's officially going to finish second. Is it going to be Gordon or is it going to be Cooper? It's going to be pretty close.
2: I agree with DJ with the uh, the top three. I think it's uh, it was a pretty pretty obvious top three. I I thought it would have been a decent Heisman race if Melvin Gordon would have done anything against Ohio State, and maybe maybe even won the game. But I mean, it's going to be Mariota might as well just take the trophy because it's his. The race for second is between him and Amari Cooper, and I gotta say you gotta put Cooper ahead of him after the dub that he threw in the Big Twelve Big Ten championship game. As uh, I'm sure with the Heisman voters, it's the same as uh, the people in the playoff committee. That last game, conference championship, tends to carry a little extra weight. So I think, it, I think Cooper's going to jump Gordon, even with the amazing season that Gordon had and for holding the single-game rushing record for a week. I still think you got to go with Cooper.
0: Zach, you hate that short-term memory mentality. I mean, Melvin Gordon had 2,300 yards and 26 touchdowns. Tamari to Cooper, 1,600 yards and 14 touchdowns. You would still put Amari Cooper over the entire season ahead of Melvin Gordon just because of last week? Yeah,
2: yeah, I I hate it. I, I always said that I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I'm as an Ohio State fan, I'm the huge beneficiary of it, so give me a a week to uh, to bask in it. But uh, I think it, in, in the big games, in the, in the two biggest games, Melvin Gordon kind of disappeared in the LSU game. He got off to a great start. I don't know if he was injured or if it was Coach Gary Anderson's choice not to play him, but he didn't finish the LSU game, and uh, I – before the Ohio State game, I thought that was their uh, you know, their most important game, most prime time game. And then to play the, the way he did in the Ohio State game, granted you know, it really wasn't his fault. He's still an elite prospect. But in terms of voting him for an award for best player, uh, I mean, Mark Cooper was never really stopped this year. Melvin Gordon was completely
0: shut down. So is there anyone else on the list that you would even consider inviting? I mean, right now we have DJ's got JT Barrett at four, Dak Prescott, Trevon Boykin, to the running back from Boise uh, State. I wouldn't invite anybody. When you
2: have a clear-cut winner like Mariota, uh, there's really no reason to, to to invite four or five finalists. Everybody knows Mariota's going to win it. If you if you were to go to Vegas right now, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't even be able to bet on Mariota winning it. And if you did, I mean, you'd probably be getting back pennies on the dollar. But uh I mean, there's no drama. It's really just a place. uh, uh who, who gets second? Like I said earlier.
1: I still, I, I agree. I still kept Barrett at four just because I don't want it to get lost that people would think, oh, Ohio State won 59 to nothing. How important is JT Barrett to this team? And I think I made it very clear in the write-up thing that, you know, Ohio State doesn't even sniff the Big Ten title game if it's not for the performance of JT Barrett this year. So he's definitely deserving of being mentioned and being considered. Unfortunately, with the injury, I think it really took him out of the running for being a finalist. I think he would have been in the mix maybe in that, Two, three, four range, but it, it's Mariota far and away. The only other person to possibly consider would be Travon Boykin Had a very good uh, final week. Again, he topped thirty touchdowns, did did very well. But uh, as something Zach said, that that kind of goes twofold. The fact that you know the voters really remember those championship games. You know, it really we really saw this uh, kind of bite the Big Twelve. The fact that there is no championship game, and, and maybe uh, some some rules being adjusted there. And I think the the big uh, the Big 12 really kind of shot itself in the foot. They don't have the 12 teams that is required for the championship game. They never applied for the waiver, which they could do. And then I think by declaring conference co champions, it really just, I, I really think that they, instead of making a, an obvious push for one team and, and trying to get a representative from that conference in and trying to um, divide, I guess uh, you would say, kind of their loyalties between two very, very good teams in TCU and, and Baylor it hurt the chances of even one of them making it. Yeah, And in the beginning, I mean, I watched a few Big
2: 12 games this year, and uh, their marketing campaign was like, oh, in a conference where everybody plays everybody once. And they were, like, pushing that all year. Like, when you have conference championships, the two best teams are going to play each other, whether they're both in the same division or it's in in the actual conference championships. Like, I I don't know what they were trying to push there. Uh, When you have a league run by greed, Texas and Oklahoma, you know, it's never going to be, you know, equitable. As uh, you know, a league like the SEC, where uh, you're going to have maybe two teams that are in the basement, and the rest are competitive. Like a team like Arkansas, who won one or two games in the in the SEC, it could could compete with anybody in the country. And then you go to the Big Twelve, and you're going to have like the Iowa States that are always going to be the
0: Iowa States, the Kansases that are always going to be the Kansases. Yeah, and I think the Kansas Big Twelve is- almost disintegrated a couple of years ago. I mean, they lost Nebraska and Missouri, and and there were talks that they were going to lose Oklahoma and, A&M, and
2: Texas A and M too. Texas A and M they lost,
0: right? You know, yeah, I think, I, I think next year we'll see some wholesale changes there. I, I don't know, are there any two teams that you think would jump ship and join the Big 12 next year or in a few years?
1: There, there's <laughs> one that's ready right now. I just don't know if they get that 12th team. But uh, BYU has expressed an interest in, in joining the Big 12, and I think you know they're a fairly competitive team. To get that 12th team means there's an automatic conference uh, championship game. You have two six-division uh, leagues. So really, then, what's the big, the biggest conference? or our team out there? And of course, Boise State had tinkered with actually leaving the Mountain West. I think that would be probably the most logical decision, but that would probably take more than just a turnaround for next year. I think BYU is ready to jump next week if they're they're actually offered that. You know, we only have uh, four independents uh, this year, and of course, uh, Notre Dame is uh, like the, the likes of basketball going to be with with the ACC. So. Well, you've got Notre Dame, BYU, Navy, and Idaho this year, so the, the independents are few and far between. So I, I guess it's just attracting that 12th team. I think Boise is the most logical choice, but I think that would take more than one year to happen. And you got, they, they also lost Nebraska, too. It's crazy how many, how many teams they lost, though.
2: I don't think, uh, like you said, Boise State and BYU are probably the most logical, but they not, there's not a team ready to jump, and they're, they're going to have to stick with the format until they can get those uh, two other teams. I mean, they lost Colorado, too.
0: Crazy. Now, I think this year the college football playoffs actually worked out great. I mean, you have, you have one representative from the ACC, the Big Ten, the SEC, Pac-12s. The question is, though, it's not going to work out that well every year. So are there alternative formats that might work better, maybe a six-team playoff, or maybe you get rid of conference championships altogether and just have a bracket where that is the playoff game into that series? I like what they got going on right now. I say if you
2: fix it, put it to eight games, but then you're still gonna be in the same situation oh like what the ninth team gets left out and they they beat the eighth team in the regular season, and they finish with the same record. I mean, uh you're you're gonna get the first two right and I think that's what matters. And uh everything else after that's gravy. If you get the best two teams in college football playing, that's really all that matters. It's not about getting the best eight. So for the time being I like four and maybe it's just because it's coming from such a broken system like the BCS, but uh you know, for the next few years, I see it working quite well.
1: Yeah, I think, I think eight would be very attractive, but at the same time, that's all, That's a lot of games. You're going to be having uh, – I mean, it's going to be close to an NFL schedule at this point. You're going to see a lot of teams playing 15 games this year. I'm really a proponent of six. I think that if you give the top two teams a bye, it gives those – it still gives the rankings some relevancy, not not only just being one of the six teams selected, but getting one of those uh, top two seeds, being, uh, being a team that's going to get a bye – then i think you actually had the five power conferences and then you have that that wild card it's really done wonders in the world of baseball when the wild card opened up not only just making the playoffs but we've seen a number of wild card teams this year included with San Francisco actually winning a title so in this instance this year Boise State would be that team the top the top team from one of the outside of the five power conferences or an independent like Notre Dame i think some people would argue that you know Notre Dame might be a shoe in but again that, that, that's not going to be the case anymore. They'll actually be joining a conference uh, that's, that's going to be one of the power five. But I think it gives that one kind of outside team a shot, and you have uh, three play six, four play five. But, uh, you know, four, it, it, it works well mathematically. I just think having a, a fifth or a sixth, uh, it, it does it does very well. But if, if a change like that were to occur, it's obviously three or four years down the road.
0: Yeah, I think having that wild card team, besides the teams out of the big conferences, uh, if there's a team that's close, even a team like Mississippi State or Michigan State, at least that would give them a chance if they didn't get to play for the conference championship.
1: You know, I I really think, though, if they they did that, I'd be a proponent of getting you still got to win your conference. Um, So I think, uh, like this year, really would have been between maybe a Boise State or a Marshall. You know, Marshall looked like they were in the driver's seat for that that over 67-66 overtime loss the game that resembled a basketball score against Western Kentucky. Or, you know, you could do that uh, where you still do have the the top team from outside one of the power conferences. Like you said, Mississippi State would have probably been in the running for it this year. Um, Michigan State may have been in the running. But I think just giving that one kind of uh, Cinderella team a shot. Everybody loves a Cinderella. I think it's one of the reasons why the NCAA tournament in, on the basketball level is has always been so big. People, people love an underdog making that improbable run. I'm totally against that. I'm totally against having anybody from a non-power
0: conference come in unless there's something like
2: there's somebody like Boise State back when they had you know Doug Martin and uh, you know the, the, the powerhouse program they had then. Uh, I think in the NCAA it's a lot easier because the NCAA evens itself out because you have teams like Kentucky that have a bunch of 18 year olds, and you have teams like Butler with a bunch of 21, 22 year olds, mm-hmm. and I think that's why you see that parity. And you also got to keep in mind, there's only five players on a basketball court, so there's so much talent to go around the country. In college football, it's the complete opposite. It's the programs with the most money, the best coaching, the best facilities, that have the biggest players, the best recruits. And I think that's why the committee ultimately put Ohio State. in If you look at Ohio State from a roster standpoint, you have Urban Meyer coaching. That everyone on that defense is four stars or above. There's no three-star players on that defense from a recruit level. There, the, the little teams just can't compete. I don't see a Boise State in the Mountain West competing. If Marshall somehow went undefeated and was in, in question, I mean, I'm telling you, there, there, there's eight teams, maybe, maybe every team except two teams in the SEC would pummel Marshall. There, there's no reason why they should be playing with, uh, there, there should be like a separate consolation prize, which there is, a bowl game, but there, there's no reason why a team like Marshall or, uh, Boise State or any Mountain West team, no matter how good they are, unless their non-conference schedule is so absolutely stunning that it offsets the mediocre teams they play all year. It just doesn't make sense. In football, you'll see there'll they'll be, be a massacre. People are like, oh, well, Utah did it in the BCS Bowl. They the, the Big East team, Pitt. There's a few examples in the BCS where, but look, look what happened when UConn played Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. It's a massacre. Teams like that, that I'm glad they got rid of the Big East as a power conference. Teams that have limited resources. This should be every year the same. The same 20 teams playing in it because that's where all the resources are and that's where all the talent
1: is. Oh, uh, I I think uh, we found the Grinch for Christmas right there. I mean, that's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's no accident that the the same uh, programs usually are, are not only just performing on the field, but the recruiting classes are so well and you know above and beyond what what other teams are going to get, but. I think it just adds that little bit of intrigue and yeah, it's probably going to be a massacre, but it's kind of like when you watch, uh, again, I'm I'm going to use the basketball reference, you know, uh, a team like Appalachian state or, you know, Georgia Southern or something like just making the tournament that sometimes such a a big thing to them. But I I think it just adds a little bit of intrigue. Maybe it it does kind of give uh, one of those outsiders a chance. Maybe it brings in a couple new uh, viewers or, or people that normally are, are supporting their team and normally they wouldn't have a chance where, Last year probably would have been uh, Northern Illinois before they, they actually suffered the two losses near the end of the year. You've got the Boise State. The Colorado State was up there for a while this year. Unfortunately, you're right. Now, Boise State has gotten a, a tougher conference schedule. They they hung with uh, Mississippi to uh, Ole Miss to start the year. That was kind of a, for the first three quarters. That was a nip and tuck, a pretty well-played game. But uh, the only other team like that that, that really plays a, a – a top-notch schedule year in and year out is usually Fresno State, and uh, they, they were a little bit under par this year. Although they did make it to the Mountain West Championship game, but we've seen them in some in years past uh, pull some pull some upsets, and they've they've had some pretty good squads. But yeah, you're right. A lot of times the, the scheduling doesn't do them any favors early early in the season. You see them lose against a big big team, and then kind of go like seven and seven and one or eight zero in their conference and kind of beef up their record.
0: Now, is anyone going to care about the bowls this year?
2: I mean, yeah, there's still some good bowl games. There's not as many in years prior, but like I'll definitely, as a betting man, I'll, turn, I'll tune into almost all of them. But like even uh recreational college football fan, you got to want to watch uh, both Baylor and TCU because they both got serious, serious tests. The playoffs make up for everything. The play—I'm so excited for the playoffs. I can't even tell you. Like it—it it brings it to a whole new level. It's—it's it's really amazing.
1: Yeah, a couple of really good matchups here: uh, Alabama and Ohio State. You've got two traditional powerhouses right there, just going at it. Ohio State kind of kind of playing the underdog. The fact that, you know, they're on their third quarterback and they're coming in taking on mighty Alabama. It, there's going to be a lot of intrigue there. And then, of course, Florida State, the defending champions, the only team that's went through the season undefeated. Playing Oregon and really you're going to have the, the battle of quarterbacks there. As we alluded to, Marcus Mariota should be coming away with the Heisman, playing last year's Heisman. I think just the intrigue there and seeing what looks to be the top two quarterbacks available in this draft, I think that's going to add a a whole kind of tale of intrigue and a subplot onto itself, uh, despite what actually happens on the field.
0: DJ, which matchups do you think are the best in the bowl? Uh, in the bowl schedule outside
1: of the playoffs? Uh, a couple of, I'd say, uh, there's, again, there's still some reason to get excited. There's still some good games out there. Um, of course, uh, what we're going to hope isn't going to happen is kind of like what we saw with, with Alabama last year when they kind of laid a dud and, and kind of went in against Oklahoma in a, in a game that they clearly did not want to be involved in. But I think a team like TCU or a team like uh, Kansas State is still going to want to prove itself. Kansas State with UCLA, I mean, uh, and uh, of course Baylor as well, but Kansas State-UCLA is, is a very good game. Uh, that's going to be the Alamo Bowl. I really like that. You know, I, I think uh, Michigan State, I think that's a team that I thought was going to kind of sneak in early in the season, even though they had lost to Oregon. I thought Michigan State was going to be the team that was going to run the table in 10, and I thought they were still going to find their way in the in the top four. You know, a good team, but they, that defense, they haven't really been able to stop anyone on a consistent basis. So I think that running game for Michigan State is going to give them problems. I think Baylor, uh, to me, I think is going to lose that game against Michigan State. However, um uh, I, I still, I like, uh, TCU's chances, uh, in their bowl game with Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss, uh, went through a little bit of a dry spell, but, you know, finished on an upswing, only team to defeat, uh, Alabama, but there's still some other, I, I like the Fiesta Bowl. I like the Boise State-Arizona matchup. I think that's a, that's a pretty exciting game. Some of the, the earlier ones, I, I do like, um, the Nebraska-USC matchup to me is, is really kind of intriguing. What? Nebraska going through their change with Mike Riley. USC was a very exciting offense to watch this year. Cody Kessler kind of flew under the radar, um, and had a very, statistically had a great season, uh, 36 TDs, four interceptions. I really like the matchup there. Um, in some of the earlier games, Marshall, Northern Illinois, you've got a, uh, you know, 23 wins between those two teams. Again, they're those smaller schools that we talk about, but, uh, I think that's going to be a, a very good matchup on, onto itself. Um, I think those are the, the games that I'm probably most excited about. Even Georgia-Louisville, I think uh, Louisville's got a pretty good chance at knocking off Georgia in that game um, and, uh, and getting the 10 wins. And the first, first year in the ACC, Louis, Louisville's got to consider it considered a success. They were very competitive, losing three games, but they were in just about every game, uh, every game they lost this year. They were in every contest. So big ups to Louisville. I think uh, of all the programs in the ACC outside of Florida State, they may be in the best shape right now.
2: I also am uh, looking forward to the, the Liberty Bowl, Texas A&M versus West Virginia. Kevin Sumlin versus Dana Holgerson. I half-jokingly applied for the, uh, an offensive assistant job at Texas A&M today, so I did a lot of research on their offense. And uh, they both come from, like, you know, the Mike Leach school of uh, run and shoot offense. it should be about 200 points scored in that game. Uh, but like uh, DJ said, there's a lot of other good games out there. LSU, Notre Dame, will will be good. Uh, I don't mind the the Pinstripe Bowl, Penn State, BC because the Yankee Stadium that makes it a little more exciting and uh but if you're going to go for uh, a bowl game that's that's the best it's the, it's the two teams that didn't make it it's uh Baylor playing against Michigan State and like uh DJ alluded to like Alabama it happened a few times under Nick Saban where they they lost out on the national championship and the SEC championship and then laid a dud against Utah and then Oklahoma last year because they weren't they're used to competing for national championships, but Baylor still has, hasn't won a BCS bowl. They got beat last year by UCF, so they'll be hungry. I think that's the third-best game, and then I'd have to go with the uh, the, um, the Ole Miss-TCU game, even though it's not like a traditional BCS bowl; It's the Peach Bowl, but uh, Ole Miss-TCU should be, uh, be exciting to
1: watch uh, TCU go up against that Ole Miss defense. I'm glad you mentioned West Virginia, because I have mentioned on a, a few times that that was maybe one of the, the most fun offense uh, to watch this year. Uh, Clint Trickett is really... Really, probably, I would say night and day, if I were to say which quarterback has improved his stock more than any from the year before. I mean, again, with him, it was injury. He's shown what he can do. And Kevin White, uh, the wide receiver there, we're talking about a guy who's come from nowhere who could possibly be a first rounder. He's probably a second, a solid second rounder right now. So there's some good prospects on offense there, and I, I love watching that uh, that West Virginia offense.
2: Yeah, going up against Texas A&M, there'll, there will literally be 100 points for it.
0: Won't lack excitement. Well, everybody, that's it for tonight. Join us tomorrow for the NFL portion of this podcast with your same hosts Jared, DJ, and Zach. We'll talk to you tomorrow.